Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello everyone, welcome back to Who Got This? This Season 7, this is Episode 3, all about lessons learned from past FPL seasons. I'm Tom, I'm here with a beer. I should get that hashtag really, Sam. Thanks for joining us. A special welcome to new listeners. It feels like it's been a little while since our pricing extravaganza last time out. If you haven't done, if you haven't listened to that yet, do go back and check out the last pod. Sorry about the little bit of a break, some work commitments just during the last week. I'm joined by Sam, as always. You all right? Yeah, very well, thanks. I'm starting to get pre-season fever a little bit now. Um, We'll go into lessons in a bit. Um, But yeah, it's hard not to pay too much attention to uh, all the pre-season games and get a little bit excited with drafting at the moment. I mean, I've been sending you drafts and different picks on a daily basis over the last Mm. week. So uh, apologies for all of that, but it's only going to get worse because the season is now under three weeks away. And excitement is bubbling up. So, yeah, really looking forward to going through and reminding ourselves of um, some lessons to learn in this pod. And, uh, yeah, so as always, we are Who Got The Assist. Uh, You can find Tom and the main account on Twitter or I think it's now potentially called X. So you might want to have a look at that um, at uh, WGTA underscore FPL um, on Instagram or threads. Um, at wgta.fpl um, or you can find me sam uh, at fpl pricey on twitter slash x or instagram or threads or wherever you fancy really um, and then finally we've got the mini league for who got the assist this year that is out and you can join now um, the code for that is m-i-n-l-u-d and as tom revealed on twitter Uh, the other week we have a trophy for it this year so there is an official prize (laughs) go check that out and uh, have a look to see whether it's something you might be interested in winning this year yeah just uh, got a 
was it obtained at great expense. Uh, yes, uh, no is. expense spared, obviously. No, it may, may not necessarily be true. It may be a slightly disappointing <laughs> trophy, but you know, FPL is a slightly disappointing hobby, isn't it? Especially if any of you are single out there. It's one of those things you keep on the down low. Mm. <laughs> so you know, it's, it's correspondence, correspondent, yeah. When you compare it to the actual prizes on offer for FPL, I think actually we're doing quite well. Yeah, stress ball or kind of red trophy. I, I don't know why it's red, but, you know, there you go. It's a decent sized trophy. I mean, it's kind of yay big. I mean, okay, you're, you're, if, you're not, if, not on, if not on YouTube, it's probably about as big as a beer glass. So, you know, it's substantial. It's, you know, it's, it's definitely worth the, the money that we paid for it. It was half a mortgage, but, you know, there you go. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's a prize you're going to want to have. So go, go and check that out on Twitter. You're not going to regret it. Um, so let's go into what's on today's pod, shall we? Um, all about lessons we've learned as FPL managers in the last few seasons and how we can apply that to our decision making and making sure we have a successful campaign in 23-24. So we've pulled together a few lessons for pre-season specifically. And then we've also pulled together some lessons for the season when it gets going uh, that we can hopefully remind ourselves of as we move through the season two. And then, as always, we've been assisted greatly by the FPL community on Twitter mainly and got some lessons learned from all of you lovely folk out there as well. So we'll run through all of those. And hopefully by the end of the show, we'll all be that little bit wiser and that little bit more prepared for the season ahead. Exactly. So it, it's, it's it's a little bit different from what we, I think we initially were thinking of you know, repeating, reanimating those unwritten rules pods we've done in the past, but we felt like it was worth giving a different spin this time around because you know I've been doing this for seven years and Sam's been playing FPL for quite a long while as well. And it's worth kind of just giving that those benefits from our experience in some way, shape or form, particularly kind of misfortune here. All the examples are probably going to be misfortune, how you can learn from it. And mm. it's worth mentioning as well that, you know, we put these together separately and kind of put them together, uh, but we take different things from these lessons. Like something that could be really important to Sam, as we'll find out, may not be as important to me, but it's up to you, the listener, to figure out, you know, how you take them, what you think is important, but hopefully the, the lessons we've put together from our experiences are things which are going to help you both in pre-season, as Sam mentioned, and the season proper, which is really not that far away. Exactly. So uh, without further ado, let's move on to lesson number one. And I think this is one that you came out with to start with, um, all about pre-season. Do you want to lead the way on this one? Yeah, so pre-season lesson one of two. Don't fall prey to draftitis. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I know it's fun um, and I know that those of you may well be doing it and Sam's definitely doing it. But maybe yeah. this is one if you're a bit of an OG as well of FPL. By OG, I mean playing 10 plus years. And maybe it's one that you've already kind of got to in your own mind. But maybe for over the next few weeks or maybe kind of at least for the next week, it might be good to just kind of stop, take a breath. Because I feel like one of the big learnings throughout the years in preseason is just not to fall into the draftitis trap of kind of continuously iterating over and over again. There's a few reasons behind this. One, FPL is a bloody long season. Like, you know, conserve energy now because you'll be bored by week three when you can no longer change your team every day. Perhaps if you listen to this pod a little bit different, but you do see people online like posting a new draft every single day and you're thinking, wow, you know, are you going to have the same energy come October? I think not. But if you don't <laughs> do that, like you come to it in the last week, pre-game week one, which is when I'll probably come to it, you'll be fresh to it. And you won't be carrying all the baggage from your past thinking. So, you know, you'll be thinking about things 
in a new way, whereas other people have sat there for three weeks and they'll have fallen fallen place all of these sort of pitfalls surrounding their team. Like mm. a good example of this is, of course, sunk cost fallacy. It's the idea that you have to follow through a plan because you've got this far and can't abandon it, and you know, it creates this sort of idea that you know, oh, you know, I've had this guy in my draft since the beginning. He's my boy. He's my guy. I need to mm. keep him there, and it creates a sort of sense of tunnel vision, you know, because every draft you then create will be around them. So say you're convinced that Trent should be in your team, even though you you may do some drafts without Trent. You're always going to go back to that first one, you, especially if you haven't really removed yourself from the process. So, for example, on the pricing pod, I was saying, you know, if, why would you go without five mids? Well, you know, mm. if you yeah. if, if I walk away from that and think, okay, well, actually, Trent might be a decent idea, you know, to what extent, if, if I'd have spent ages and ages drafting and drafting, maybe I'd become wedded to the five mids, so I'd never kind of look at a Trent draft. And the final reason, really, is that you don't overreact to stuff. So you end up being like a, a reed blown in the wind if you just see everything that happens in preseason and react to it with your team. We'll come on to this in a sec, but so many preseason takes are so poor. And if you're kind of sat there drafting day in, day out, you become prone to being swept up in these tides, the mixed metaphors. And I just think that the whole thing really, it's, it's not a waste of time. So I know it's really fun. I know it's kind of, you're kind of feeling your way around the game. I do get it. But Incessant drafting, I, I feel like it's got more downsides than upsides. So is it, that for me is one that I mean, I, I've changed my team twice since since launch. So mm. compared to some people that I've seen, it must be on draft at like 80 by now. And I think that's, <laughs> that's really important just to keep the, your mind open, especially as you head into the final couple of weeks when information is going to start coming thick and fast. What do you think about that one? Yeah, I agree. And I'm probably a little bit more prone to tinkering in preseason than you are, but um, I still try to maintain a level head and not get too attached to any particular players, any particular drafts. And I try not to, this might sound weird and almost petty, but I try not to actually tinker too much with my actual FPL draft. I'll more look at fpl.team for example and have a little mess around on there if I want to test out a new balance or a new formation or how a player might be able to fit into my squad something about putting it into the FPL app itself feels a bit more final and a bit more definite and all of a sudden I feel more wedded to the idea if it is the draft on the app itself. So I try to avoid doing that so much. And if I want to have a little play around, maybe after a couple of beers, for instance, um, I'll have a look at doing that on fpl.team rather than having something that feels just that little bit more real by having it on the official app. And I think just to round off your point as well, another potential drawback of doing loads and loads of drafts pre-season is you by the time you get to the the season beginning you've probably had a fiddle around with most players in your team at some point so you're much more likely to have that lingering sense of regret that you didn't go for a specific draft or, or a specific iteration of your team that included a player that banged in game week one or game week two. And you always feel like, oh, I've missed out. I, I knew he was going to do well and I didn't pick him in the end. Why didn't I do that? Whereas actually he was maybe in one draft out of a hundred that you put together. So you're always unlikely to go with that one specific player. And I think you're more prone to that sense of regret if you end up with a hundred iterations of, of an FPL draft going into game week one. Whereas if like Tom, you're not making so many official drafts and 
you come into game week one a little bit more fresh and you've picked your team on the last couple of days based on all of the information you've gathered, you're much less likely to regret the decisions you've made because you haven't haven't picked every single player in the game at least once by that point. In some ways, it's coming kind of full circle, isn't it, from the days when you didn't take it that seriously, put it together kind of really late on. Like, you know, that's kind of the start of the bell curve, so to speak. I and mean, then in the middle of the bell curve, you're there kind of you know, drafting like mad as soon as the game gets released. And I feel like I'm at the other side of it, you know, the end of the product life cycle now. I'm kind of like, uh, well, I mean, you know, you guys, you guys <laughs> have fun, but I know from experience that this isn't a positive thing. I mean, mm. I, I guess, like, you know, you're right about the kind of, I guess, what I term emotional exposure to players. And yeah, um, I always couch it in terms of we're all likely to be wrong from the off about several things like it, it will turn up by game week three that you know, the strongest template was completely wrong potentially about certain players so you know maybe favoring Martinelli, a sacker of Martinelli and Martinelli is the one who goes off for the bang or you know, ignoring Salah and Salah suddenly ends up with two braces and two games and so we've all got mm. in by game week three uh, there's that and there's this sort of that sort of emotional exposure of having drafted in every player kind of heightens that sense of being gutted. So maybe mm. it's about, I, I, I'm not going to say about mental health. So I think that's probably um, doing disservice to that, but it, it is kind of about managing those sort of uh, the anticipated regret, I suppose. So it makes us uniquely human to be kind of thinking I could regret this. I mean, that's a very human thing. No other sort of animal can do that. But I, I think being able to kind of cut that off and kind of trying to limit your capacity to be upset by FPL, it starts in preseason and it kind of starts for me with limiting draft. Thing. so yeah, yeah I, I think that's probably that's one for me i think that's one that i'm definitely in now um but i have done seven years of fpl content as well and seven years of the fpl preseason cycle and this is your first one sam maybe by next year or the year later that may that may be when you kind of go oh for god's sake yes yeah, i've seen everyone doing it tom it's ridiculous i regret my past actions and i'll go through the whatsapp history and be like remember when you sent me this yes yeah. and, <laughs> and this next day <laughs> But yeah, yeah, it's important to remember it's a marathon, not a sprint, and you've got to pace yourself over the year. You've got to maintain that enthusiasm for the game. So, yeah, let's not let's not get too excited three weeks out before the start of the season, and uh, try to pace yourself just that little bit. And uh, with that, let's move on to lesson number two, which is don't get carried away with preseason. Now that itself probably isn't too descriptive but what I meant by this when I came up with the rule is to not necessarily look too much at pre-season form as a way to pick your game week one side I think there are two sections to this on one hand you don't want to be looking at the form necessarily but I do think it is important in the meanwhile to look at structure positions and how a team is setting up for the season ahead so there's Definitely important information that you can gather from pre-season, but I think there are certain elements to pre-season friendlies and, and look and scouting for players at that time that you need to almost disregard because of the quality of opposition, the fact that managers are testing new things. They might be testing players for fitness, making sure that certain other players are getting minutes in, in the tank, maybe to tout them for moves elsewhere. So not to get too hung up on form necessarily and look more at the structure and the way that teams are setting up for the year ahead. I don't know what you think about that, Tom. 
Yeah, I'm all for it. I mean, I think overreaction on is is endemic. Like you, the amount mm. of times you get blah blah has scored in preseason with like the you know the eye the eyes emoji. Yeah, like, yeah. Like Darwin Nunez today that no one was speaking about before mm. preseason has, has rocked up with a couple of goals in a couple of games. I think and suddenly, wow, you know, everyone's like, oh, have you, have you thought about him? Which, which is fine. I mean, there are some positives to preseason as you've mentioned. It's, it's kind of those ideas of uh, player positioning, formations, uh, that kind of great idea of how the manager is going to going to set up um especially yeah. if you've got new signings like arsenal how like timber and Havertz going to be used we don't you know getting some uh, shining some light on that civil liverpool spots like i know who's injured for the preseason game today but mm -hmm. getting an idea of how they're going to play for example you know you, you, you see trent if you think that he it looks like he's now being playing in that number six role and um, mm. does does that then give us an indication that perhaps that's how liverpool are going to set up you know, early season so that's something that we could keep an eye on but in terms of who scored what the final result is etc i couldn't care less like yeah. you know it, it, it's, it's very silly um it, it's very kind of it's very easy to fall into the trap of uh, it's got availability heuristic and behavioral science so the tendency to use the most easily retrievable information to make decisions like it's a massive hazard in pre-season to simply think someone's been red hot and thus this will continue in the games actually matter uh, we're not going to get into the form versus fixture debate here but uh, you can you this happens all the time where a player looks great, like a, total, like a Bailey at Villa last year, a Jotter at Wolves in seasons gone by, who were just mm. really doing well in pre-season and started the season with a whimper. It's, it's, it's yeah. mad. And then the other side of it, we were talking about this the other day, weren't we? West Brom under Tony Pulis comes to mind. They just lost every game because they just didn't care. It was, they were just there for fit, fitness. The games didn't exactly. matter. Exactly. But as soon as the season started, what they do is they kept just start churning out clean sheet after clean sheet, getting to yeah. forty points and then giving up again. But you know what I mean? Like, it, it, I feel like it's one of those things where the positives are, as I said, all of the kind of the, the scouting bits. But the end result, who scored? Don't worry about that. Just leave that one bit. So yeah, I don't do. Is there are some things which are useful? Don't write off preseason entirely, but just don't get too carried away. <laughs> I agree with yeah. you on this one. Yeah, try to avoid player score today. Therefore. I've always been looking at him, bring him into my draft immediately, look more at the the meta structure, as it were, than the specific details of any given match. Yeah, I feel like this one's kind of one which is fairly, fairly well known now because I think yeah. there's more people taking the piss out of people who are doing who are doing that rather than <laughs> yeah. who are actually doing that. So it's kind of a bit of a straw man. But yeah, I think that, that works for preseason though. I mean, there's loads of different ways you can skin that particular cat but don't fall prey to draft isis and don't get too carried away of preseason. that's all there is at the moment because we don't have mm. any information the game hasn't started yet um so yeah take a chill pill guys it's fine yeah and with that great lesson let's move on to the regular season um the main season lessons and lesson number three is a pretty simple one uh tom do you want to lead the way yeah, it's keep it simple, stupid. Uh, there's a couple <laughs> of um, FPL uh, managers in the community also weighed in on this. So Dunk, our friend of the pod, FPL Swap, uh, X-Mins over Excitement. And FPL Aubergine says, you know, try to cut out mistakes week to week. Uh, you can fall prey to myopia and think, oh, it's only 10 points. I'll make it up if you, if you fail to make the obvious move. But the season can get away with you, from you, he says, very quickly if you adopt that attitude. Now, mm. I, this one's really important to me um, because it's it's been a bit of a transition. So in the past, I used to do a mixture of maybe playing to the gallery a bit <laughs> because I was a content creator uh, through trying to do exciting things. Um, 
but also kind of trying to get into a situation that I feel Aubergine um, described and work my way back by shooting for the moon with particularly the punts, overdoing obvious stuff. Doubling Um, down. Exactly. I hope that I would be carried through the streets of Twitter as a visionary, but in fact, I was being carried (laughs) carried on a stretcher because my season had died, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And I made loads of season-defining errors. You know, it's it's not kind of stuff like um, getting 50-50 wrong. It's stuff like in 2017-18, I sold uh, Mo Salah ahead of an away game versus Bournemouth because it was part of a hit to change my team over. And because I was thinking, oh, I'm not doing as well as I want. You know, I want to get Kane in, I think it was early. I want to kind of shift my team for the upcoming fixtures. And I just never recovered because he scored a hat-trick. And I, everyone captured him. I didn't own him. You know, it doesn't happen to everybody, but it's one of those things that I kind of fell into the pre- fell prey to. And I don't know, whenever there's this sort of question in the ether of, of what we do or what we don't do and what the community is thinking of doing, which we'll cover a lot this year on Contemplate, actually, and... Um, there's always kind of loads of really interesting ideas flying around, I guess. And over time, I've come to realise that the obvious answer is obvious for a reason. Uh, the amount of times I've been seduced uh, by the exotic option is perhaps too many to count. I mean, you're, you're quite a solid manager in the, in, and you're not particularly... Are you immune to the exotic charms of these sorts of moves or anything you can think of from your past where you've kind of been there yeah, astray? So I, I, I think... I passionately for this rule at the start of the season, I think getting off to a solid start is one of my golden rules in FPL, making sure that I don't fall behind too far and leave myself in a position where I need to catch up a great deal from pretty much game week, game week three or four. I always feel like I make poor decisions if I'm playing catch up from early on. So what I try to make sure I do is not make too many big bets against something that seems fairly obvious to begin with. And I might have one or two hunches. I might have one or two differentials that I I feel fairly confident on. But in general, it's like using the word template, I think is probably simplifying it too much. But I go for what I know and I go for the, the players that I know are going to reliably get me the points. And if they happen to be well-owned, then I'm not going to look elsewhere just for the sake of it. And I think that's what this rule at its core probably means. It's don't overlook a obvious pick just because it's obvious. Look elsewhere if you confidently feel that even though it seems obvious to everyone else, it's not so obvious to you and you think that other people might be missing something. It's not doing it for the sake of it. And especially to start the season when a lot of this data hasn't yet revealed itself and it's quite hard to make these hunches confidently. I think it's much more reliable to go after the data that we know and we can base long-term decisions on. So people like Saka, like Bruno, like Rashford this season seem like obvious boring picks to start this season but that's because we know the data's there and we know over several seasons they're going to supply us with regular consistent attacking returns same goes for Trent as well and obviously Haaland up top these are decisions that most of us probably don't want to back against because even though it's obvious and even though it's boring these are players that are going to get you very steady returns and then later on in the season you might be able to chance your arm and go against some of these more obvious picks because you've got some more data and your hunches are based on much more 
of a, a long-term sample rather than just something you've seen in pre-season, like we mentioned in the last <laughs> lesson that we learned. Yeah, I there's, there's definitely a few ways to you can link this into behavioral science as well. Something called the novelty effects, and this is sort of the applied mm. novelty effects. So in uh, UX, for example, I think I was looking at today, uh, this is a tendency to mistake a, a new feature as being popular and impactful when it's in fact users checking it out because it's new. Um, and often you'll see, oh, um, you know, we, we've launched this amazing new feature on our app and people have people are using it loads we tend to find that after a couple of months people it just goes back to sort of not very much because people reverse their normal behavior mm. in an fpl scenario this was me you know like buying a shiny new player i hadn't owned before uh, before the obvious sort of mainstream answer and then reversing to the norm to cover myself so i mean it, it, you're kind of getting to it a little bit there when you're kind of saying oh Yes, the known quantities are definitely the ones to go with, especially early doors. And during the season as well, even if you don't quite believe in the player, sometimes it's just the case of being practical about it. So Danny Ings at Southampton 2019-20, um, yeah. I managed to avoid him and buy in literally everyone else but him. Um, Jesse Lingard at West Ham, again, didn't get on him till really late. And Anthony, Anthony Martial as well, when he was ridiculous in the project restart, kind of didn't mm. ignore him and went went elsewhere. Um, and I, I suppose it's just a case of ceding to herd mentality a bit. I know it's not particularly sexy, that kind of dual impulse of fear and greed, which drives you to blend in herd mentality. But it's something that does happen. And you know, as, as ex-co-host Lucy would always say, it's all about limiting exposure. And sometimes it is a case mm. of doing that. But there is a flip side to this, as you mentioned, when uh, when you think people could be missing something as the season progresses. So I had some success with this last year, selling Almiron early. And mm. as I observed a few times last year, there's opportunities to be pursued because the herd has become quite predictable. Like You, you know what people are going to do because especially if the bigger content creators are having poor seasons, you can kind of see where people are going to go and what people are going to do. And sometimes there are sort of opportunities to be exploited. And a few people did message about that too. So FPL Lucky, Tom, I said FPL is much more fun when you take a few risks and go against the herd. It might mm -hmm. go wrong sometimes, easy habits versus uh, Norwich. Uh, but the highs of getting a differential right outweigh both the lows of getting it wrong and the mayor of playing it too safe. Although he didn't, he, he, he clarified later, he didn't mean going against Holland, for example. It's kind of you know, in the cheaper seats, making those differentials, picking your battles. <laughs> um, a yeah. sim as well. Uh, great opportunities rarely come along. It's worth the pain of getting it right, getting them wrong uh, to get them right. Um, he he bought Wilson, uh, for example, at the end of last season, uh, despite everyone else going for Isaac. I think you did as well, didn't you, Sam? So yeah, he he was having great. He he, he was thinking yeah. about that. So yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it, it's a case of keep it simple, stupid. While as you said picking one's battles so captaincy risk is probably likely to be higher than ever um it's probably going to be one which is going to be out of the risk appetite level for a you know, your engaged fpl manager at least for a little while but mm. there's always options out there so maybe it's a player in the template that you think is a bit of a blind spot that people have been keeping for so long that maybe there's another player you sell him for and bring in and hope to get a jump i mean i think this these these days you only get one or two weeks with a player uh, if he does start to go off <laughs> and, yeah. uh, before everyone's on him, whereas before it was kind of three or four weeks. But you know, that can be enough to to see you finish okay if you've got kind of quite, a, you know, that amount of unique points is so valuable now. Mm. I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's a tough one, isn't it, Sam? Because you're keeping it simple, yes, but sometimes you do have to take risks and timing those risks is everything, isn't it? 
Yeah. So one way I like to pick my battles, as it were, is to look at the template as if it was a rival manager, as if it was one actual player. And what one good example you uh, touched on um, a minute ago was the Isaac versus Wilson captaincy debate at the end of last season. And I think when I'm looking at this rival manager as the FPL template in general, I like to look at when it seems like the template is overexposed on a certain route or a certain player that I think that I can actually make a a relatively decent gamble against or I can hedge my bet against that. And Isaac versus Wilson was a really good example of that where quite a lot of managers actually went on Isaac relatively early because he was a safer minutes play over several game weeks. Whereas I at that point, I hadn't had Isaac or Wilson in my team until the game week that we were going to captain one of them came up. I was behind a lot of the people I wanted to beat that year. And I knew I could potentially leapfrog by exposing myself to the risk, the calculated risk of going against what the the template manager was going for that week. And that's just one example. Those will pop up during any given season, any given game week. But it's about picking the battles where you think, yes, the, the template is exposed on this player, but are they is it almost too exposed? Are they overexposed on one particular player that you think actually doesn't deserve that exposure long term? And you think I, I can actually make a calculated gamble against this. And I think if you make that um, decision on a on a case by case basis, more often than not, you will be able to find the the correct decision to make whether or not you want to take that gamble. Yeah, definitely. I, I think it's it's all about it. Come, it comes down to sort of that, that nebulous term, gut feeling or gut instinct, doesn't it? And when that mm. happens, I mean, yeah, you can be calculated, but ultimately you've got to trust. You've got to have a limp, leap of faith. Um, there's a book called uh, Blink by Malcolm Gladwell, who's not a behavioral scientist, but he's a, he's a journalist. But uh, he showed that there's anecdotal evidence at least that instincts does better than you'd expect in judging kind of what the right thing is to do. Um, for you uh, as a manager, a lot of the time when you come to the actual season during a game week, if it doesn't go that well, you'll know what went wrong, what you're missing, what what you need to do to try to try to correct it. And and I wouldn't say act on that, and we'll come on to that in a little bit. But just just I've said this quite a few years ago, actually. But you know, write down your first four on memo or phone or whatever. I've got a new phone now, but on my old phone, I, I probably need to carry that over. There's like a one that's just like FPL fours, and it's just kind of like this. This week was crap. I should do this. And <laughs> over the course of the week, you know, things change, and you know, FPL General was talking about this on his pod as well. Things change, opinions change, and also, um, you know, reason why I think we said this on the first pod back that we're going to try to do something a bit later on in the week if, if there's a big bit of news. Um, yeah, you know, it, it's worth kind of just seeing where you get to at the end of the week, a decision time, checking back to that first instinct, instinct, and if if, you, if it's the same, then great, go ahead. But if it's not, and you've kind of morphed into some sort of complex minus four, when your initial thought was just to do a free transfer, it's good to just ask yourself, how have I ended up here? And yeah, how much of this changed. is noise? Yeah, <laughs> how much of this is objective? 
and using things like you know talking to trusted people or um, you know, using FPL review, whatever, just to kind of just check your decision making and check your thinking. Just because it's easy to get caught up in kind of the hysteria of FPL and FPL Twitter, uh, especially or FPL X as it is going to be known or wherever you <laughs> may be. Um, but just you know being able to kind of take a step back and think, how have I got here in my thinking? is it the right train of thought do I need to kind of get back to it? obviously if, obviously if it's kind of you know 11 uh, 10 55 and you can't quite do that but no, yeah give yourself a bit of time every week to kind of just see where you've got to your thinking I think would be kind of my practical advice to try to keep it simple mm-hmm. cool cool right then on to lesson number four then and lesson number four is try to avoid emotional attachment to your decisions and I think this works in a number of ways, but the key word that I keep coming back to when thinking of this is patience. Um, Rage transfers are obviously a big part of FPL, especially when you're playing your first few years of FPL. And I would never tell someone not not to press that button and enjoy the feeling of a rage transfer because it does feel very, very good at the time. However, over our many years of playing FPL, I think we can both agree that when emotion comes into the decision-making, it quite more often than not leads to rash decision-making. That might not necessarily mean a rage transfer. It might also mean positive emotion. So you've got the euphoria of a great game week. You're trying to ride that high. So you think, oh, I captained a differential last week. Maybe I can get away with it again and double down again. So the emotional side of FPL is important and it's something that you should definitely tap into at times. But I think where this lesson comes in is trying to weather that or um, implement that alongside rational decision making and balance it out during the week before you actually lock in your transfers or lock in your plan. Because more often than not, making emotionally charged decisions might not be a rational decision um, specifically. Yeah, that's hundred percent true. I looked through a couple of um, see a couple of my kind of past seasons, and there there were weeks where I've I've written kind of on my like you know the Twitter thread thing about kind of here are my decision here here is my here are kind of my results, and I've I'd written the week before I might make this change, and the weeks mm. that I did make that change, I didn't. I, more often than not it didn't really quite do as well as I thought it would there's a few weeks where I look at the team that kind of in front of me I also don't know what the fixtures are but I look at it and think that's actually a pretty decent team like I really don't know mm. if I, I really don't, I, I'm sure hopefully I didn't make any changes and I'll look down and I'll be like oh you know I decided to leave it for a week it's amazing how many times that if you just leave it for a week if you're sending out still a good team if you can kind of step back and think you know people will say what do I do with this band of band of idiots actually most of the time you're not going to be in a situation where your team is that bad especially with the pricing this year (laughs) so (laughs) yeah patience uh, sam has mentioned is is huge and especially in that that, when you're in that negative scenario it's like masochism isn't it like you really want to do something to you know cleanse yourself after a terrible week but the best thing to do from that is just stop thinking about fpl and do something else you know yeah yeah (laughs) yeah wait yeah Go and shoot something on Call of Duty or kill something on Diablo. I mean, that, that is so much more productive than making an FPL decision when you're upset. 
it's just not worth doing ever and i'm sure most of you don't do that anyway yeah. it's interesting though because i interpreted this slightly differently i I've fpl veteran and harry temple both kind of got where i this is where i thought what you meant i thought you mm. meant it was just like a play you dislikes and not going with them so FPL veteran. i mean that's also Bruno. yeah that's true I, I don't know. I do, that, that's one I think can, that can happen a little bit. With people, like, oh, I don't want to pick him. I mean, if it's someone like Ronaldo, perhaps I could, you know, understand that. But you know, it, it's it's one where, yeah, no, I, I get you. I, I see where you're coming from now. Yeah, absolutely, and that is also a very valid piece of advice um, and a lesson that hopefully it is applicable to many as well. Like, don't don't let your club biases, don't let historical biases impact your decision making in FPL and that's certainly important too um, where I was coming from here is because it's so easy to think after one game week or a couple of poor game weeks that your team is a load of rubbish and all of these players need transferring out immediately well <laughs> actually it might just be the luck of the draw we've all had those bad game weeks where you get sub 30 points and you think it's the end of the world but the next game week, actually, they're, they're all set up very well for another week of fixtures and are just as likely as just as likely to return as they were the week before. And at the end of the day, you pick these players. If you're listening to this pod as well, you pick these players because you took your time, you deliberated, you picked options that you felt that over a long period of time are going to pay off. So let them pay off over that long period of time and, and don't rush to rash decisions based on poor information or poor data that's come out over one game week let that let that decision pay dividends over several weeks and if it's still not working then you can rationally say okay I might need to pivot here but don't let it become an emotional decision based on one or two poor game weeks or one poor performance from one specific player let let it play out and see where see where the land lies after a few more weeks and a bit more data that you can rely on a little bit more. There's one element to this actually that um, kind of came to mind a little bit when you were talking about that. It, it's the early season wildcard because mm. I, I've seen that played in rage a lot. Yeah. Especially, come, I've seen even people pulling out in game week two after having a bad game week one because of obviously there's that massive kind of sense of importance now attached to the starting well. I think that's, that's again one where you've got to have a you've got to have a plan and you've got to be able to kind of think rationally if you're going to be using a chip especially this year we don't have a middle chip anymore we've only got two mm. wild cards now it's something that's worth remembering and something that i'll be kind of telling myself probably come game week six i'm like oh you know i'm only xk now i really want to change this so you know um and it's 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 one where it's a bit more of a tricky decision i'd say because you've got the the fact that you probably want to be trying to make some money from your wild card so the old adage that if i'm if i'm going to wild card i'm going to do it on saturday as soon as the game reloads mm. and I, I think that if you're not thinking i'm going to wild card at that point you shouldn't wild card yeah so, unless we get some new information in terms of fixtures i think that, that that's kind of one thing i've learned over time which perhaps kind of feeds into the sort of emotional thing where if you're kind of thinking i'm going to hit the you know hit the panic button and wild card because i've had a really bad week I think sometimes you can be doing it. You, you obviously luck into doing really well, but I think, I think if, if if you don't feel like you're going to wildcard that week, it, more times than not over the last six years, I have messed up 
by wildcarding <laughs> as a yeah. reactionary way. Same here. And I, I think, like you said earlier, more than ever, because of the pricing, be wary that no matter what team you're about to wildcard out, it is a quality team. You've got great players in there that are going to be potentially returning at some point soon. So I'd, I'd say more than ever, a wildcard probably needs to be more planned and more rationally thought out over several weeks in advance because you want to be tapping into a, a fixture swing, for instance, Whereas if you do it out of rage, the team that you're leaving behind, more likely than not, unless they all get injured, which is fairly unlikely, unless they, unless that happens, you're going to be wildcarding out a lot of very decent picks in their own right. And even though they might be, in inverted commas, out of form, they're still pretty likely to start returning at some point soon. So again, you might start feeling that regret quite quickly if you've made a, a rage wild cards, let alone rage transfers as, as well on top of on top of that the week after or the week previous. Oh, I'll never forget selling Son and Kane uh, in 2021-22. I did the cards. same. I did the oh, same. Dear. It was horrible. And I kept swipping, I kept swapping between the two of them as well. And I kept kept I doubling down on hits because one came into form and then the other one came into form and like never again, absolutely never again. I can't do that. Season ender. Right. Mm. Next one, Sam. Next one. So s- on to Sam rule. Yeah. On to lesson number five. And it's beware of small sample sizes. And I think especially in early season, this is a really important rule. And uh, you'll probably see a lot of pods, a lot of um, YouTube shows that, look at the data um, early on. And again, it's not to say don't look at that data. It's not to say disregard it completely, but definitely take it with a pinch of salt, knowing that this is data based on one or two or three game weeks sample, when actually you need a much wider database to reliably tell you what a player or what a team is doing that season. And after one game week, you might see, well, every year we see it. Last year, I think it was Saliba scored a scored an absolute rocket in game week one or game week two, Tom. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden he is like the template player. And obviously he was well, he was well priced last year. So it wasn't a terrible pick. Wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So fair enough. But every year there's a defender that just explodes in the first couple of game weeks, becomes like the it player for at least three or four weeks. But more often than not, they don't score again throughout the season. And he's just losing value, losing value, losing value and losing your team value very quickly. So those small sample sizes are a really dangerous part of the early season and probably arguably all the way to like game week 10, 11. It's something you should just be aware of. And there's nothing to say that having a small sample size is the worst thing when you're looking at a player that, You've also got data on several seasons in in FPL. You know that they're reliably a good pick. If, for example, Bruno Fernandes scores a screamer in game week one, gets a mm. decent XG, decent XA, that's not going to put anyone off or think we should doubt this player because we know over several seasons he's got those numbers and he's got that performance in him. But it's more the players that you might not have seen before or not considered prior to game week one because the data wasn't there previously. Are we now going to back the data based on one or two game weeks? 
when they've never shown it before. And that's where this lesson really probably becomes more important. Oh, definitely. Why, when you were talking about a defender smashing it in game week one, I immediately thought of Ahmed Hagazi, who was at Ooh. West Brom. Remember him? 4.5 scored in, the, scored in the first game and suddenly went up to, he was up, he was up to 5.0 within two weeks. Yeah. And yeah. I, yeah. I've, I've, got, I've, got, I've got West Brom in my mind tonight. Seriously. We are <laughs> amazing. I also remember a Granite Xhaka um, scoring a brace, uh, no, getting a brace of assists on the mm. first game week. And I remember that because my sister, was really annoyed at me because I said, don't don't have Xhaka in your team because he's not going to do anything. And he yeah. gets a brace of assists from two corners. And suddenly she was like, wow, well, I'm really pissed off at you because blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, he's not going to do that every week. <laughs> you know? And yeah. I think he was the first person who rose in price that year. I mean, yeah, loads of really good points there. Uh, we have barely ever reported on data before game week four, as long-term listeners will know. Like, mm. It's absolute nonsense to just be like, oh, yeah, but in one game, like, <laughs> what are you going to do? Are you going to just... Look at game week 35 to 38 plus game week one. That's yeah. absolute nonsense. I'm sure someone's going to do that. Please link me uh, if someone does do that. <laughs> so I can just, I'm not going to say anything, but I'm just going to, just so I can laugh. Um, but yeah, I mean, really, early doors, the fixtures all you've really got to forecast, plus some element of the eye test we'll speak about later on. Mm-hmm. It's, it's fascinating, really, with this. And you, you, small sample sizes, small sample sizes are always something to watch out for, especially in analysis that you're given. So a lot of the time, people will frame things in certain ways. So framing is the idea that you just take data and present it in a way that supports your case effectively. And reading things critically is really important because a lot of the time you look at the data that someone's kind of presented in front of you, and they've just created this data <laughs> to kind yeah. of push a point be it to kind of increase their own clout or just to try to back up another argument they're making. But if you look at it, if you take it apart, go on FBref, it's free. Just go go there and look at it. Um, you can you can already see that a lot of it's nonsense. It's just the way it's written. I'm not going to name any names. Um, and I, I think a lot of the time as well, the person who does that, and you can do this too, you fall prey to confirmation bias. So those people know yeah. what this is. It's the idea of that you find data to support your conclusions. Uh, but there's also another part of this, which is that you discount information which detracts from your hypotheses too. Um, so it's really important to just kind of, it's, it's difficult to recognize in yourself. We all do it. If you say, all right, I really fancy this player, you're on FB ref, you're on you know, Scout Hub, Fix, whatever you use, um, and you're going to be looking for that player within the data set that you find. Yeah. You're going to be looking for something which gets you there. Something so, for to example, support your argument anything i know that there could be nothing in the expected data which is where you should be looking so there you are on shots in the box being like oh you know he's got more shots in the box than harvey barnes well that that could be that could be something Um, in the final third over the last three game weeks are really high or like something like that yeah sure i mean they are but (laughs) that's also completely irrelevant to the point you're trying to make yeah Uh, so so yeah it uh, you yeah beware small sample sizes Uh, at the start of the season you're going to have to kind of play it a little bit differently. And there are going to be some elements of the herd there. And, um, you know, for every Xhaka, there is a player who starts the season very well, like an Almiron and keeps it going for a certain period. And before you know it, the points have gone, as I put Aubergine mentioned earlier on. So it is something to bear in mind. That's for Absolutely. Sure. Yeah, that, there's always going to be one that does continue for a while or continue because... They, there's a positional change, there's a tactical change, which we um, mentioned earlier. Do make sure you take 
take that into account and, and be aware of that. But from a data point of view, especially your last point about drawing conclusions first and then finding the data to, to support it, try to avoid doing that and look at the data before drawing any con conclusions. You'll more often than not get much better results out of doing it that way than the way we just advised against. <laughs> I think um, number six, um, especially at the start of the season, um, is, is quite important, isn't it? Um, mm. That's kind of what watch the matches was something you were quite keen to quite keen to talk about. Yeah, I don't I don't want to sound too grass FC versus analytics FC. I don't really have a side on this. Uh, I like a bit of a mix of both, but especially early season, watching as much of as many of the matches as possible and as much of those matches as possible. I find to be really, really crucial in my decision-making process. And I, I say as many and as much for two specific reasons, because it's easy to watch as many as possible by just tuning into match of the day and you'll see five to 10 minutes of highlights. But it's also quite important to see as much of those specific matches as possible. So the extended highlights, if you can, if you can watch the 90 minutes on whatever streaming platform you've got, then fantastic, because the more data, and, and this is visual subjective data more than objective data, you've got to support your your case and, and, to, and to take in that information, the better, because off the ball position is important, whether players are beating their man regularly if they're in an attacking wide position or getting crosses on target into the box or into promising positions. All of this information is likely to be missed if you're just looking at numbers and figures alone, especially if there are things like offsides or goals ruled out for other reasons or chances ruled out for other reasons that actually, if you're watching the match live or you're watching the extended highlights, you can see that for yourself and you can see that this player is promising without ever having the data to, yeah. to necessarily support it. So especially early season when, like we say, we've got limited samples to deal with, getting as much of that game time into your brain as possible and seeing whether a player passes the, in inverted commas, eye test is actually really important. And it's really useful to my process of figuring out a pool of players that I'm at least interested in before then moving on to drawing real conclusions from the data set available as well. Certainly. I mean, this is, that's pretty much bang on uh, where I am with this as well. Like I, over the years, I've become more tactical with my football watching, if that makes sense. So I, I used mm. to watch loads more, um, but later on in the season, especially as the data itself gathers more steam it left me feeling more confused and decisive but early doors when you haven't really got that kind of weight of days you've got one game two game weeks to make a decision on the the the, uh, the, the grass element of it of it and um, kind of contextualizes the emerging analytics mm. so it, you know, it's great for players in the in, in that are in your shot window if that makes sense not not that you're looking at them in the shot window i suppose i should probably say so you know the number the players who are throwing down decent numbers and whatever or you know people are buying them and you're kind of thinking oh, i'm not sure about this it's good just to kind of have that sort of sense check of seeing them in some way shape or form uh, later on in the season, it's also very good for players who are throwing down good numbers. So you can see if you think they're any good or not. So last year, Solly March throwing down great numbers. I watched him play and thought, nah, 
But yeah. I mean, that, 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 that's very subjective. And I like you know, the point that what's new in football is the stats, the data, because that's objective. You know, it's not you. You, you and you and I, Sam, could both watch a game of football and come up with a completely different take of what we've seen. Like you yeah. could be like, oh, you know, that, that guy was awful. You know, he kept missing chances. Whereas I could be like, oh, you know, it's good because he was getting in getting good positions. Another day he could go a hat trick. And you know, it, it, it's it, it's really kind of that, that kind of choice of one truth, I suppose. And I guess in FPL, as we kind of mentioned last year a little bit, FPL review has now kind of taken up that sort of mantle as being the source of one truth. Mm. And, and I feel like as the season goes on, at the start you have analytics contextualizing the, the football the grass but as things go on the grass increasingly contextualizes the analytics and um, so mm. it's kind of a handover i'd say around game week six something like that yeah it's a little bit more information and um, so yeah watch the matches for sure um especially at the start let's contextualize it because the data is nonsense it's useless you've only got the, the fixtures as a forecast method and um, but as we do get some more then it kind of the analytics takes over a little bit and becomes a better kind of forecast uh, source than you watching the games which is necessarily hamstrung by loads of different things so the, yeah. mainly the fact that none of us or well, some of you maybe but my, my, most of us aren't football experts despite what we want what we like to think <laughs> yeah and I, I think just to wrap up on this like it's so it's so easy now to access all of these data points but everyone's got the same access and everyone's going to potentially be able to make the exact same decisions as you if you interpret the data in a similar way which is quite easy to do if we're looking at the same data set the one thing that is unique and the one thing that will give you an edge repetitively is the subjective stuff, which is watching the matches and how you interpret that match and the, the players within that match to be performing. So I don't think we're in a place where we should disregard the matches. I think we should definitely use that to inform our decision making and absolutely lean on the data as well but know that everyone else is also going to be able to lean on that exact same data set. So if you want that advantage, if you want to gain an edge, look at like, watching the matches and interpreting it in your own unique way is going to give you that edge more often than not. That's true. Especially if you think about um, the guy who used to play for Wolves, who has resigned for Wolves. Oh no. <laughs> who is it? Oh, no. When he was there. Um, I'm going to have to put in uh, one of our friends there. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> but, no, when, when, it, when he was when he was there, something he started showing. No one knew who he was. Started showing up in the box. You know, um, uh, you can see that if you watch the games, you can see that in the data as well. And you could see like Matoma last year getting starts suddenly out of nowhere. Solly March as well, just to a lesser extent, getting starts. And suddenly being a lot more threatening. You can see that in the underlying data as well. You, uh, I think, you know, yes, you can see players emerge in the, it, like, with your eyes, but you can also see players start to emerge in the data from nowhere. Right? Players mm. who start to kind of have a very decent XGI, which hasn't been expressed. So uh, Alexis McAllister, same with Bryson last year, is a good example of that. A player who, uh, there were some positional changes if you watched the game, but you also saw that in the XGI, you saw that he was underperforming his XGI by, I think it was, I think he was one of the biggest underperformers last year, like a yeah. massive amount. And that tells you what the eye tells you that he was getting in positions, but it wasn't quite working out. What the eye is good for 
is you making a judgment of whether he's not getting what he should because he's rubbish or yeah. you don't think he's very good or whatever. Like Solly March, I, I was skeptical. I thought he, you know, he was an average player at best, so but he was getting good positions or whether it's because he's getting unlucky. Um, and that's kind of where the, you know, where the difference lies, I suppose, and where the subjectivism comes in. But yeah, I mean, watching the matches versus looking at the data, I'm I'm much more kind of data driven, and especially now I've got a baby. Um, although we're making a watch every Arsenal game, um, I'm afraid <laughs> that it's it's kind of less and less uh, clear that I'll be able to watch as much football as I used to. Um, but now we've got the data to, to help us, and that, that's a lovely thing. Yeah. Know, maybe it's maybe it's a dad's versus non-dad's thing. Who knows? <laughs> that might be it. That might be it. Right then, uh, let's move on to lesson number seven. And I think this is one that you wrote down, so I'll let you lead on it. Yeah, I mean, this this is actually linked a lot to beware small price size, small sample sizes, isn't it? And um, don't let price changes influence your behaviour. So FPL rookie uh, said, "Can you can you can we just mention that you shouldn't knee jerk earlier on in the season?" And this, this is so important. This one. So long term listeners will will know um, that uh, we're talking really long term now. If you've been with me for seven years. Um, Congratulations and commiserations. <laughs> um, but we, we, Nick and I started WGTA something called the Austin Rule. So pre-WGTA, Charlie Austin was at Southampton and he was rising in price one week. And Nick and I bought him in on a Wednesday night because we would be priced out otherwise. We were both at 0.0 in our teams. The problem was, was that Southampton were playing in Europe on Thursday night. Yes, Saints used to be decent once, kids. And uh, he got himself injured. I think he was in Eastern Europe somewhere. Um, mm-hmm. So we both had to take a minus four or minus eight to get rid of him. So I mean, it, we, we, we called that the Austin rule early doors to you know, not make a change until the, the kind of last press conference has been done. And breaking that rule was something that you know, I've been skeptical about. Over, uh, I've done it over the last few years. I've definitely done it. But it's one that I've largely kept to because I kind of feel like you know, the price, the market is something that, you don't realise until the season starts because at the end of the season, yeah, it's a little bit volatile, but you don't, you kind of forget how in game yeah. week one, game week two, game week three in particularly, it's just ridiculous. Like stupid players rise in price. Have I mean, you seen it? We both spoke about it earlier on with the, you know, all of these sorts of players from yesteryear. Anyone who basically does a goal gets a price rise. And for every Michu, there's a Granite Xhaka. And uh, you know, it, it's something that I think is really important. Like, yes, yeah, sometimes you may get priced out. And if it is, it's always case by case. If it is a player that you think, you know what, well, everyone else owns this guy. I don't own him. And next week he's playing uh, at Luton at home. All right, I probably need to get this guy in. I'm going to take the risk on Sunday night just to cover my own ass. Fine, I understand that. But if you're kind of buying a kind of a 6.5 million midfielder, and they 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 might rise in price, and it's it's probably worth taking that hit and leaving it be, especially if it's not one which is kind of mission critical in terms of how well your game week's going to go. Um, yeah. And I think it, I think it's one where you kind of you, you always fall prey to every year where you look at the prices, at FPL statistics, or on, on Fix or on Hub. I think do quite a decent um, algorithm these days. Um, you can be panicked into making a transfer and come the end of the week you can there's always going to be something else which is yeah. kind of a better thing to do and um, so yeah 
linked to maybe as well to your emotional one too. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's just it's seldom worth it. Sometimes it is. I'm not saying it's never worth it, but it's seldom worth it to let price changes influence your behaviour. It's always points over prices, as Joe from Fantasy Football Scout would always say. Yeah, you have to be highly aware of the the risks attached to making that transfer early just for the sake of that 0.1 or to avoid a potential hit down the line. It's there, There's so much that can happen in any given week, and especially at the start of the season when there are a lot of moving parts, it seems like it's more likely than not to not pay off. Um, there are, like you say, instances where it seems like there's almost nothing that could go wrong, but there's always going to be midweek training sessions. And there are players like Reese James out there that will just get injured midweek <laughs> in a training session. Or Do- Dominic Calvert-Lewin seems to be a bit of a flavour at the moment. He's already gone and got himself injured, I think, again. So these players do exist. And I definitely warn against making those early moves just for the sake of that 0.1 million or that that hit there are always other angles you can pursue there are always other players that you can pick from and the players that you're getting rid of again I keep mentioning it but they're not going to be terrible terrible picks in their own right just because they didn't perform one week doesn't mean they can't perform the next week so I do advise patience if you can there is there is going to be the odd incident, like Tom said, where yeah. that it's it's so blindingly obvious that you have to go and correct a move or or move on this player before they rise by 0.2, 0.3 in a week, and they are the pick for that week. I completely get that, and I wouldn't I wouldn't tell you not to, but yeah, try and weigh it up on a case by case basis, and don't don't let the rage transfers creep in early just for the sake of that 0.1 or that that. Uh, removing the the need for a hit later on in the week because it's always better to have the most information possible and the only way you're going to get that is by waiting longer into the week tell you what though i mean okay i'm maybe going against my own rule here but tell you a lesson here but tell you what there is something very satisfying about averting that 0.2 price swing so you're buying a player who's rising selling a player who's falling if you get to friday there's nothing in the press conferences player starts on Saturday like oh yes you know if I hadn't have done that that day there's something mm. quite nice about that but it's so judgment heavy and um, it's quite a difficult one to do and like the overall overriding thing should be don't normally let price rises or price changes influence your behavior I think one more rule from us or lesson from us that is then, yeah uh, yeah you're right on, on to number eight and that is to prioritise the positions of maximum impact. And again, this is one that um, I came up with, and I'm, hopefully you agree, Tom. But it's very easy in FPL to look at your side week to week and, and think about all of the potential moves you could possibly make, thinking, oh, this 4.5 million defender, for instance, or, the, or a goalkeeper, and I know that this might be a sore subject for you because you've made the odd goalkeeper transfer in the past. But last year it didn't happen last year, Sam. It was fine. Was it was it last year or the year before? I can't remember. It was the year before though. Last year I Okay. It's in your past. It's all good. You're a new man. Yes, it's it's in the past. It's in the past. Yeah. Never happened. Sure. Sure. Um so but that it's quite often you'll look at your team and there's one glaring obvious issue with the team that 
it just seems like, oh, I have to fix that problem. But the problem in this instance, in this example, would be a 4.5 keeper or a 4.5 defender, for instance, that actually on a week to week basis, the amount of potential benefit you're getting from making that transfer is actually marginally low. It's fairly low. You might get the net one point gain out of it on a week to week basis. But looking at your team elsewhere, even though it might not be such an obvious move or it might not seem like such a a massive issue in your team, you might actually be able to gain extra value, additional points value from making another transfer elsewhere in a higher impact position, say uh, an 8 million plus midfielder position or a captaincy um, decision that you can bring in one player that is an obvious captain for that week or the coming weeks and remove a player that might not be such an obvious captain. And even though your team might look specifically weak in one particular position, that position actually isn't that detrimental to your overall performance as a team. Whereas getting that extra two or three points net out of another higher impact position will over the season serve you in a much more positive way. What do you think of that one? It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because it's very situational. Um, Mm. Sometimes you... Like form versus fixture, as I said on the last pod, is going to be really important this year. And making this decision and getting that right is going to be really important. So if you're prioritizing position of maximum impact and you're going to be making a switch, so say you're, um, I don't know, say Foden's running into his tough run of fixtures after game week eight and you're going to jump on like Jared Bowen or something, so you're going to sell him and buy someone else. That it, It's one which is fraught with risk. You know, mm. because even though the fixtures could be bad in inverted commas, you can still see a player who's performing well in the underlying data still doing well within those hard fixtures in inverted commas. So it's one which is, I'm not 100% sure on it, I've got to say. I think there's mm-hmm. definitely, it's something that we spoke about uh, with uh, F- uh, F- FL Matthew in the past, Matthew Jones, one of the uh, very good FPL manager, uh, the idea of a kind of weakest link theory so the yeah. idea that you always tra- that you always look at your team and think who's the weak link here do i get rid of them whether it's x minutes or um you know poor poor performance over the last few weeks so maybe something that does link into what we said before about all right if a player is um underperforming over a, a certain period um if you left him for that period you've shown that patience you've given him you know, four or five weeks and you're kind of at that point where you're like okay i can remove this guy for somebody who is going to have that huge impact in my team because it's a salient sort of team point where it's a, a, a decently priced midfielder then fair enough. Um, but it, I, I think this this is a lesson which is a fraught with risk for me. I mean, is any example sort of spring to mind for you where this has kind of really come through? Uh, not necessarily a, a specific examples, but I'm thinking more along the lines of uh, a week-to-week team where you've got your 11th position mainly, or maybe even 12th, where you think that this is the obvious move. I can I can net an easy one plus point on average week to week. If you look at the expected points, there are several sites you can look at for that. And it's, a, it's an easy move. Whereas, even though the risk is there, and I completely agree that it is fraught with, with risk, the upside on average will pay off more from going from, let's say, Rashford's about to move into 
a tough patch of fixtures, whereas Son is about to come into quite a, a nice patch of fixtures. And you think that actually the expected points data suggests and the eye test suggests that Son might be a better upside pick. Maybe there's an opportunity to captain him down the line as well. And in terms of what you expect from these players, I can actually gain an expected two or expected three points from these guys over two or three weeks. Whereas even though it might make your team look as an 11 stronger by having uh, making that keeper transfer or making that 11th or 12th man transfer, overall, you've kind of missed the boat in what seems to be the most important position to maximise the impact on a week-to-week basis, um, especially if there's captaincy involved. I think it becomes much more obvious. I think most people will see the the forest from the trees kind of thing. At that point, they'll most people will be able to see tell. the forest from the trees. Is the that the right the way around? <laughs> see the wood from the trees, surely. That's um, it. Yeah. Forest trees, wood trees, you know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, I, I see what you mean. I think, yeah. I mean, I... I, I guess a lot of the time, though, like I, so sometimes with the with these sorts of things, it it is about uh, that idea of the weakest link, which I think is where you're kind of getting at with that. If you think about the eleventh man or mm. kind of around the fringes and kind of it's it's like kind of topia, isn't it? Just kind of keep keep like kind of pruning around the edges to it, it, it's that, a lot of the time that is management, isn't it? Just managing to make sure that your team kind of you're guiding them slowly but surely towards where they should be yeah a lot of the it's time. team hygiene and those those yeah. um those moves will be obviously important through a season but you also don't want to miss out on the opportunities for the bigger upside picks just because you're pruning around the edges and and yeah, trimming okay. the leaves and making everything look just that little bit more pretty you want to be tackling the main issue head on if it's there presenting itself yeah, that's I suppose a lot of the time as well. Um, that's kind of just rolling a transfer whenever you can. I know that um, that's mm. kind of probably going to be bread and butter for those people listening to this pod. Uh, but if you are new to FPL, uh, that's going to be really important, especially this year, um, because early doors, uh, as James from Planet FPL uh, said in his pod today, that there's not that many places where you're going to probably be wild carding for a jump on a fixture run. And a lot of the time, it is going to be about rolling a transfer to maximise a, a mini wild card to take a minus four to remove three players in one go, and um, and having that sort of insurance in the bank, I suppose, is is going to be important. And a lot of the time, you know, the and we'll come onto it and contemplate, I'm sure, later on during the season that that the overall sort of sentiment is going to be roll transfer this week, um, and it's mm. about whether you do adhere to this particular lesson that Sam's highlighting and go for prioritizing position of maximum impact. So sometimes it can be that, okay, everyone's rolling. Could I do something different? And we'll talk about those. Um, but yeah, interesting rule, Sam, that's for sure. It's just, it's just one which is, it's, it's very kind of case by case situational for me. Definitely. And some, sometimes it is about, you know, it comes into conflict at times against that kind of patience is a virtue sort of idea we discussed earlier on about um, you know, be wearing a small sample sizes and not letting uh, price changes influence your behaviour. Um, but still, it's, it's one to definitely bear in mind, that's for sure. Hmm, absolutely. And uh, with that, shall we move on to the community lessons? I think so. So, I mean, for us, we've got 
we've we've come up with eight, I think, somehow. It's not a particularly round number, is it? But hey, there we go. <laughs> um so yeah, two for preseason. Don't fall prey to draftitis and don't get carried away with preseason, which I think are quite sound. And then we've got our six uh, during the actual season itself, which I, I think as well, um, do draw on a lot of the lessons that we've learned in the past and probably will chime with you if you've listened to our past pods and also anything that you've heard elsewhere in terms of kind of uh, advice for the community going forward, but hopefully as well with our own slant on it and from our own experiences. So keep it simple, stupid, stupid. Try to avoid emotional attachment in your decisions, which I think is, is a really good one. That's, that's really important. Uh, beware of small sample sizes. Watch as football as possible, although bear in mind my kind of caveats around in that. And Sam also agreed with that, and that's for sure. And don't mm-hmm. let price change influence your behavior. And, prioritize the positions of maximum impact when making decisions on a case-by-case basis i think i'd amend that too but nonetheless yeah. i think that those are all really really good lessons hopefully the benefit of our experience has been very useful now so there are a few uh lessons that i've weaved into the discussion but there are a few miscellaneous ones i think we should probably just discuss very quickly which probably are going to be very useful and one the first one that i really want to highlight here is long-term listener dave cedar cedar fpl hi dave and he says that every season is different with different challenges don't play last year this year I think this is a fascinating one because, like again, long-term listeners will know that my usual refrain is most generals lose because they plan for the last war, for the next war. Um, And it's really important here to have that kind of clean slate. Tabula Raza said last year, and don't carry, again, maybe touching on Sam's emotional attachment idea, all of those sort of problems from last year with players into the next season, because all you do is limit yourself. Uh, mm-hmm. I think this one's really important and it, it can take a little while for the season to reveal its character. So last season we got to, admitted there's a wild card in there somewhere, but I think we got to game week nine or game week 10 when people were kind of, you know, burning transfers, weren't they, Sam? Like, you know, yeah. moving, moving 4.5 forwards around. Um, mm-hmm. But every season does eventually take on its own sort of joy de vivre. And I think that's really important. So keeping an open mind, I think, is what that links back to, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Every every season is different. I remember two seasons ago, it was all all about big at the back. We all started off with huge at the back last season and it became obvious very, very quickly that that probably wasn't the way to go last year. Um, we were eventually burning transfers going all the way into game week eight and nine, I think it was, um, until again, everything changed once once again with um, the Queen passing and then we had to rethink everything once over. So staying nimble, going with the data as we're presented with it and being flexible um, to things changing season on season players that were once essential are probably no longer as essential and players that have never been essential before start becoming more and more impactful in our team over time things the only certainty in life is things won't stay the same so stay flexible stay nimble and that is the way that you're going to get on the next template or the next big thing is by staying alert to things changing yeah, I mean, I I bad mouth Solly March a lot on this pod, but you know, if he, if he, if he does start to be good next year, if and if I my 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 eye test or at least the underlying data just does does kind of back that up, then sure, you know, I'm I'm not going to be here kind of the last. I'm not going to die on the hill, um, mm. because I just think that's silly. You know, sometimes you've got to move on and you've got to be able to kind of 
adapt to the circumstances Sam mentions. Uh, Darwin could be a great example of that, by the way. I've I've got no problems with Darwin at all. Like, yeah. You know, I I love the underlying data. Um, yes, very frustrating in some ways, but it was catch a bottle, as uh, mm. your predecessor once said. Exactly. Okay, uh, Tom TCW Arsenal recognize the type of player you are and embrace it. Some people take no hits, but are super aggressive elsewhere. For example, there's lots of ways to skin a cat. Um, mm-hmm. What do you make of this one? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I completely agree. You should definitely put your own personality into the way you make your decisions. And also, I think we'll tap into it a little bit later on. But at the end of the day, FPL is a game. Play it the way you like to play it. If you find if you find playing with more hits in a more aggressive manner to be the most fun and enjoyable way of playing the game, then absolutely play it that way. If that's the way you find most value in this game then by all means, please do. And also on the flip side, if you see FPL as a game of careful deliberation over tactics and long-term planning and trying to avoid hits wherever possible, and you find most enjoyment and most long-term pleasure through that, then that is the way you should play the game. I don't think anyone should ever be able to dictate to you the way that you get value out of a game that we are all playing at the end of the day because we're meant to enjoy it. And yeah, we'll we'll go into that a bit more later on. But yeah, play your own way. And for, by all means, learn new lessons and figure out new styles of playing and see whether that's for you. Don't be closed-minded about it. But yeah, absolutely. I think playing playing in your own way, in a way that suits your style, is the way you'll get the most enjoyment out of the game. I, mean, I I had this discussion with Tom uh, TCW Arsenal, also Tom FPL Lucky earlier on on Twitter, and mm. I, I I'm a little bit different here because I don't really know what my game is. Like it yeah, used fair. to be, it used to be quite a, a risk takery sort of game, and that kind of led me to ruin. And it, last year was a period of stabilization, so now it's kind of a bit an interesting sort of period of discovery. You know, where am I? What am I interested in? I think a lot of it is kind of maybe using kind of stuff like my 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 supposition that this is going to be formless fixtures and maybe exploiting that um and also the kind of observations around the herd being docile so finding ways to do it and um, so but yeah i mean I, I think that tom's right but sometimes you've got to be able to adapt with the times too just because the way i used to play sure. doesn't work anymore um and being able to be there and do that but yeah i think that's a, that definitely has merit that's what i'd say yeah yeah I, definitely leave room for growth <laughs> yeah and learning yeah, yeah. Uh, always in your life and um, this mm. one dave glass hi dave uh, says too much overthinking and meddling too much social media messing with my head stay with the tr- the few trusted voices and um, i think yeah I mean, that's definitely true a lot of the time it's about having good soundboards uh the guys in our slack as uh, uh, be guys that i kind of come back to every time uh, mm-hmm. a few friends uh chris mark uh, fpl general like you know a few, a few of those guys who i'll speak to about my fpl team like knowing they're going to give me quite they can give me, give me their opinion but they're not going to be like you're wrong you know yeah um, and that, that that's really important so i mean I, i'm not going to speak to you know you you listen to you want to listen to you watch who you want to watch I, i'm not, I'm not going to speak to that but when it comes to your fpl team you know definitely find out people find people that you want to listen to that you trust to give you good advice and i think that that's that's really important of course and hopefully we're in that <laughs> you know yeah 
if you're listening this far, you hopefully yeah, you think our advice is half decent at least. Um, oh, but yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. And honestly, when I read this, I thought it was just advice for life in general. You don't, you, rather than just FPL, too much overthinking, too much social media, and just try, just try to reduce your circle to a to a key few people that you really trust. You really re- know that you can rely upon them for decent information and decent opinion. That you know they're not going to intentionally go mess with you, and they'll give you <laughs> they'll give you imp- opinions that actually mean something to you. That's really important. And yeah, absolutely, pick. Pick your friends uh, wisely in all circles of life. <laughs> yeah, everywhere. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, the differentials FPL, maybe the uh, name checks out. FPL can be really boring with the same team. Live a little and take some risk. It might lower your risk when it goes wrong, but there's no better feeling when Marcus Devernier bangs a brace and you can brag about it. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I think this is a kind of horses for courses a little bit and also situational because if you're doing it for the sake of it as sam mentioned earlier on maybe this isn't one that i i understand obviously understand you know if you're not taking fpl too seriously or you're not too concerned with your rank then then fine Um, this is great it's a great way to have fun to take these bets and that's exactly what i used to do at uni when i had like million ranks when i was just kind of like every week just playing with my flatmate you know I, i i fancy um, you know, Lampard score a hat trick this week. I'm going to captain mm. him and buy him. You know that, that sort of thing. Um, but more often than not, that doesn't that doesn't work. That doesn't happen. Unfortunately, I'm afraid differentials FPL. Um, yeah. But sometimes, sometimes it, you know, sometimes it can. And some, and those are the best moments. Are the moments you remember when you get that player who's got the star next to their name, who does a great, who he does well. Mm. I mean, I, Bangled about Matoma, Harvey Barnes when I owned him for a double game week last year for the bench boost. I mean, those were, that, that was a great moment, frankly. Um, mm. And uh, yeah, memorable moments that you get in FPL, but they're few and far between. And that's what makes them memorable because a lot of the time it is about kind of the marathon, not the sprint, as Sam mentioned earlier on. Yeah, I have to, I have to say what I completely agree with everything you're saying there, but on the on the side of the the best moments before i started taking things too seriously and i was much more happy with taking risks i remember a, a streak i went on i think it was 3 weeks in a row i captain players i transferred in each week in a row and got it was either a hat trick out of each of them or at least two goals like a big haul from each player in a row and it was Theo Walcott Santi Cazorla and Gareth Bale three weeks after each other. And I will never forget that. I, someone will be able to fact check exactly how many points they got or whether they all got hat-tricks, whether it was just a haul for each. Mm. But I always remember transferring one out and one in, even after they scored a hat-trick, just on a hunch before I took FPL seriously at all. And even though my rank for the season was probably terrible, just remembering that little streak of luck that I got will always stay with me. And it's part of why I love FPL. I think it's part of why everyone loves FPL. So don't lose that. But at the same time, if you're listening to this pod, it's more likely than not you're you're listening because you want a good rank. You want to beat your friends in mini leagues. And over the course of a season, taking too many risks for the sake of it probably won't pay off every single time. So yeah, I completely agree with what you're saying, but yeah, it's always nice to look back on those specific moments that go really, really well. And uh, I'm going to have to check exactly how 
how they performed in that in that right in that streak um because yeah, again great moments but what yeah. was your or that season <laughs> yeah oh yeah it won't be good it won't be good yeah. it would it was something yeah. like 200 300k i think yeah yeah i mean th- those are things you remember but equally you know if you play like that the whole year uh, that's where you expect to end up um which is fine that's not important to you great announcement one and we can link these two together um, and mm-hmm. it's about flexibility so fpl kudos last season he says i started with taa and robertson had to abandon it uh due to hit with, with hits and things so it wasn't ideal and that taught him that setting up the flexibility in Norfolk's formation is key. Uh, Nath Jacobson uh, says that he doesn't want triple ups because last year he started with triple City, Arsenal and Liverpool. Arsenal were fine but he kept getting peps with City players and double <laughs> Liverpool defence like Kudos was an absolute flop. So he says I feel like triple ups at the start of the season mean you lack flexibility to make moves once you have more information. I've, something that will definitely come on to in the, uh, even next week or the penultimate pod, the last pod Next week or the last part of the season, and um, but yeah, I think having flexibility to begin with is definitely something which has been high in mind for most managers for a, a little while, um, and it's something that I, I'm sure that you're going to adhere to, and I'll adhere to as well. Yeah, absolutely, especially with Man City in mind. Um, that that story of being pet is not a rare one everyone goes through the same boat so don't worry about it it's not because it was your first season playing fpl um that happens to absolutely everyone and it will happen again um i completely agree with having that flexibility and not leaving yourself overexposed on something but there's also the the flip side of that where you want to make sure that you're hitting hitting all of the right elements to a good all-round draft to begin the season. So what are we confident of? What are we taking more of a risk or a gamble on? And at the start of this season, it feels like the things that we can be fairly confident of are Arsenal assets, for one. So I'm not so bothered by tripling up on Arsenal to start with this season because I think across the board, they have decent value and defensively I think we can probably back them fairly well going forward I think there's enough there that we can probably pick one or two assets there too so I don't think completely swear off of triple ups altogether but making sure that you're tripled up on the right teams that you have a much higher level of confidence on and then there is that asterisk on City that even though we've got confidence in them as a team, we don't know what the starting lineup will be week to week. So that, that then brings them down in our estimations probably quite considerably. Um, but yeah, in general, I think triple ups are fraught with risk, as you mentioned earlier. Um, but knowing when to triple up is a skill to FPL. And I think... Arsenal is a team that I'm more than happy to triple up on to start the season. Yeah, I think to to bring another lesson, to teach this lesson, a lesson, um, this kind of reminds me of what Dave said about each season, different, different challenges. So last mm-hmm. season, for example, I started with double assisted defence, Cancelo yep. and Edison, and I also had triple, so I'd had Holland, that went really well for me. And in the past, you know, you've had things with double Liverpool defence, it's, been, it's been, a, been all right from the beginning. It's not been great because, like, Big at the back has never um, really delivered on its potential, truly. Uh, but nonetheless, it, it's one of those where you've got to take it on a case by case basis. That like every season is different. But I completely appreciate a hundred percent what 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 Kudos and Nafe are saying about flexibility 
because that is really important at the start of the season because you've got to be able to didn't see it last season but we may see it um this season where you, know, you may need to swap a player over um to adhere to the emerging picture in terms of what's going on in the market or, and what's going on with the template and sometimes it could be about uh, having that money in the bank or you know maybe kind of saying oh i don't re- i'm not really too sure on you know united's ability to keep clean sheets and maybe i won't be going with the united defender this 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 time around i, I think sam mentioned earlier about kind of opportunities with, with this didn't you and you know, opportunities of where are the blind spots in the template and it's, it's about kind of assessing those and seeing what you're going to do at the start of the season and um, but that's mm. uh, that's a tough one to it's a tough one to kind of get through really because I, I wouldn't be against double ups basically or triple ups this season because of the prices yeah it makes a lot of sense to double up and triple up and lot on triple up on I think triple up on City, which we'll come to next week, I'm sure. Triple up yeah. on Arsenal for sure. Um, double up Man United, double up on Brighton, probably almost definitely. I mean, it, 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 every season's different, as Dave sees at FPL said in his lesson. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, flexibility, definitely key. And the final mm. one, Sam, um, I try to have fun. It's a game, says FPL fella. I used to take it so seriously, he says, but so I'm, I'm trying to keep a lid on it, trying to keep it handled, mate. Um, so I mean, uh, this is uh, yeah, this is definitely important, especially because you can so easily kind of get really upset about FPL, can't you? Yeah, yeah, like you can lose sight of the whole point of why we're playing this game, and yeah, FPL fella, great point, and uh, yeah, it, it's very important to remember this at the start and that then at the end of every season why we actually play this game. If you're not having fun with it, then what is the point in even bothering? Um, yeah, try not to take it too seriously. Obviously, there are times where you'll have a hard week and you'll probably curse FPL for all it's worth and say, I'm not going to ever play again. Then by Friday, you're making <laughs> transfers. And yeah. it's just the nature of the game. Games can be frustrating sometimes, but as long as at the core of it, you're still getting enjoyment out of it. That's what's really important here. And people find find enjoyment out of different elements to FPL. Um, like we mentioned earlier, there are different ways of playing this game and there are different parts of the game that certain people find fun, others find less fun. But as long as you're finding enjoyment out of it, that's the most important thing. And uh, hopefully if you're, well, it looks like 90 minutes into this pod at the moment, you probably find FPL reasonably fun. So yeah, hopefully that continues for you this season. Yeah, I, I can only agree. I mean, obviously, for me now with a baby, it's going to be great this year because I've got already, I've got an immediate sort of, oh, I'm really pissed off at FPL, but my daughter's a baby and yeah. she doesn't care about this. So yeah. that's, that's a, a snap out point and having those those things to kind of just make you think, you know what, there's more life than this. It's really Absolutely. And I, yeah, try to have fun. It is a game at the end of the day. And I think every podcast you'll hear doing a pod like this is going to end on that note. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, thanks very much for all of those. Um, we tried to get in as many as we possibly could. I think we did manage to hit all of those. And I think mm-hmm. that our, our rules and some of those are going to be hopefully things that are going to stand you a good stead for the season ahead. I think that's everything, isn't it, Sam? It is. Yeah. Fingers crossed those lessons are helpful and I'm sure we'll come back and have a look at them later on in the season to see whether we're adhering to them. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be one or two that we don't, but that's the interesting part of FPL. Like we said, every season is different. 
Um, thank you all so much for listening once again. We were Who Got the Assist. As I mentioned at the start of the show, um, you can find the main account on Twitter slash X at WGTA underscore FPL or myself at FPL Pricey. Um, you can find us on Instagram or threads at WGTA dot FPL or again myself at FPL Pricey. If you enjoyed the pod, it would be really really helpful if you could do one or all of the following um if you could follow us on those socials i mentioned if you could give the pod a five star rating on uh, spotify or itunes wherever you listen to it or if you're watching on youtube if you could leave a like or subscribe to the channel that would be really really appreciated it really does help get the pod out there to as many people as possible Yes, please do all of those things, especially because Sam has brought some youthful energy and Gen Z understanding to what all these things are uh, <laughs> to supplement uh, old, old, old veteran over here. Yes, thank you very much for listening. Thank you, Sam. Uh, we'll be back with you next week. I'm not sure what the pop will look like yet, actually. I'm not too sure what we're going to be podding about. Uh, we'll leave it TBC, uh, but we'll come back to you. Uh, in any ways, we hope you enjoyed the pods. I hope you'll be on board for the rest of the season if you're a new listener. And more than anything, we hope we assisted you with our thoughts on FPL lessons learned for the season ahead. See you later. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Sports Social Podcast Network.